Jeffrey Epstein is accused of running an underage sex trafficking ring. He's a hedge fund manager who has powerful political connections that include former President Clinton. Epstein is already a registered sex offender, pleading guilty back in 2008 to charges of soliciting and procuring a minor for prostitution. Let me introduce my, my next guest. And while I introduce him, I'm going to read you from today's New York Post. And again, forgive the voice. The voice isn't great, forgive it. Before we say hi to Sean, let me read this. Jeffrey Epstein investigators contacted by dozens of possible victims, witnesses since his death. Victims and witnesses since his death. Investigators in the Jeffrey Epstein sex ring case have been contacted by dozens of possible victims and witnesses and are travelling the United States to cement a case against possible accomplices, according to a report. I would be very nervous if I were somebody who helped Jeffrey Epstein at this point and would be seeking legal counsel. And that's according to former US attorney Duncan Levin, <coughs> speaking to the Daily Beast. Excuse me. Two sources familiar with the investigation told the site that dozens of potential witnesses and victims have come forward just since Epstein killed himself in his Manhattan lockup in August. Let me introduce my next guest. No stranger to you whatsoever. He's built an amazing YouTube channel. I mean, we could be here all day talking about him. Uh, his work as a market trader in the US. He's dealing of ecstasy. He's incarceration. Spending time in Sheriff Joe Arpaio's uh, hellhole prisons. We talked about that. The subsequent books that he's written. Um, amazing, best-selling books about his experiences. The, the talks that he gives around the world. The talks he gives in the UK. The fundraising for books, for free books for children. And he's got this brilliant YouTube channel now with an enormous following where he talks a lot about true crime, where he investigates crime, where he looks at cases that have gone cold, where he looks at cases where there appears to be a huge miscarriage of justice. We talked to him, of course, about uh, Stephen Avery, of course, and the Making a Murder a documentary series. He's an awesome guy. Let's welcome back to the programme our friend Sean Atwood. Sean, welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me back on, Richie. This Epstein thing is just going absolutely mental on my YouTube channel right now. Never seen nothing like it. And it's because you've earned a bit of credit with the way you've approached other stories, Sean. You deserve it. People are going to look at your Epstein videos because you're a guy who takes a level-headed kind of, I would say, forensic look at cases. You leave your own preconceptions at the door. And you and I know, my friend, how rare that is in, t in today's world, even in the independent media. For question number one. Did Epstein kill himself in his jail cell in New York? I know this is speculative. It was very timely <laughs> and very handy for some people. What, what do you make of that? I think that is improbable. Even they polled Americans and less than a third of them believe that is the case. He got the sweetheart deal first time around. His powerful cronies protected him and they were able to pull the relevant strings. But once the media with it got so much momentum the second time around, he had to go. Because if it came out in a criminal court who his accomplices were, 
certain government agencies would have to take action. And we've seen that, you know, on the cusp of that right now is Prince Andrew. Talk to us about dispatches. You've done a video on it. Look, I know my listeners know all about Sean Atwood. Um, you've got over 300,000 subscribers on YouTube. These videos are watched by hundreds of thousands of people. In fact, millions, but the individual uh, videos and analysis videos are watched by hundreds of thousands of people. I don't need to sell you. Um, really important. You saw dispatches. What did you think? Wasn't it kind of exciting and unusual to see a national television program talk about the Queen's son, you know, an heir to the throne and his relationship with Epstein? What did you make of it? I think there was a point in time when the royal family could just pick up the phone or someone representing them could pick up the phone and have that kind of thing shut down. But because of the internet now, the TV stations are battling the real-time news from activists and all these people all over the world. And if they don't keep up with the times, they're going to be obsolete. So that was a positive. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I couldn't believe how hard they hammered Andrew, especially specifying about the orgy that he went to with yeah. the underage girls. A lot of my videos, I've not just you know gave my opinion. I've been meticulously going over the court documents and Virginia Roberts who most brave out of all of the victims probably most she's out there speaking the most at least she said that she had sex with Andrew three times and to quote her the third time I had sex with Andy was in an orgy on Epstein's private island in the Virgin Islands I was around 18 at the time yeah she was legal age but what she saw next is it was perhaps the most shocking Epstein, Andy, approximately eight other young girls and I had sex together. The other girls all seemed and appeared to be under the age of 18 and didn't really speak English. Epstein laughed about the fact that they couldn't really communicate, saying that they are the easiest girls to get along with. My assumption was that Jean-Luc Brunel got the girls from East Europe. They were young and European looking and sounding. So she's basically saying that Andy was right in the mix with children having an orgy on this island? Flown in. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, flown in. In recent days, I found this extraordinary. I think you, you'll know about this. It might have been at the weekend. The Mail on Sunday said that some of Andrew's friends have been using very high-profile forensic analysts to suggest that photographic evidence of Andrew standing alongside Virginia and some other pictures have been doctored. <laughs> they've, right? they've been saying that now for weeks, and they've also been saying that um, the picture of Epstein, the cadaver, is, is, is doctored as well, but I think that's all nonsense. So what I did was I went to the house that that was alleged to have been taken at. I didn't think there was any way in the world I was going to get into that house so the house is in London. It's Ghislaine Maxwell's property. Supposedly the white banister was in there that that photo was taken at. So I knocked on the door. Nobody answers. Rang the bell. Nobody answers. I crossed the street and I'm, I'm getting filmed outside the house just talking about the history of Ghislaine Maxwell and Epstein. And all of a sudden the door opened. So we ran across the road 
And my cameraman was on the wrong side of me, and I'm yelling. I'm talking to the person there. It was a cleaning lady. I'm telling my cameraman, get behind me, get behind me, get the banister, get the banister. And he did manage to get the banister. And I said to her, I said, you know, is it okay if we can come in and film? But she, she drew the line. She wouldn't let us actually come in and film. Well, you, you did incredibly well. That's a remarkable bit of film, that. You can see this, by the way, <laughs> on Sean's uh, YouTube channel. Sean Atwood, just look for Sean. I'll put a link out to it, of course, on Twitter. Just go to Sean on uh, Twitter, Sean Atwood on Twitter. You'll find links to all of these uh, videos. So that was a startling moment for you, uh, Sean, wasn't it? I mean, incredible moment to be there, to see that. And tell us about, remind our listeners about Gillian Maxwell and her part in all this. I mean, what a mysterious, again, what a web this is. Her, Ghislaine Maxwell, of course, being the daughter of the, the former press baron, the Mirrors Robert uh, Maxwell. She um, she went to ground uh, some weeks ago, didn't she? Some months ago, but then she was followed by the press and she was picked up and filmed, I think, in the US somewhere. Um, is, is, is she somebody that you imagine is very, very concerned right now, like Prince Andrew? Or do you think that she's pretty nonplussed by what's happening? Maybe safe that... You know, because there are many more powerful people than her today who might have a lot to lose if this stuff comes out. How do you think she feels now, Gillian Maxwell? Is she worried about what's happening? Well, she's next on the list to be suicided if she ends up in the court system because the exact same reasons that Epstein had to go now apply to her and Jean-Luc Brunel. So in a conspiracy case like this, the government, they assign a letter to you in order of priority of seniority in the case so Epstein would have been A Ghislaine Maxwell would be B and Jean-Luc Brunel would be C now if either of those other co-conspirators end up in the courtroom and the names of accomplices are made a record in the court then that's the same liability that Epstein presented to these people so they're next in line on the chopping board as far as i'm concerned unless they can come up with some you know amazing way of making all this go away but people are just keeping it alive online keeping it alive this is incredible now this guy is apparently in france remind our listeners who jean-luc brunel is because they don't often hear of him so jean-luc brunel he sets up a huge modeling agency in france with really high-profile models who he's claiming he launched their careers. He was also using that to procure underage girls. And Epstein boasted to Virginia Roberts that he'd slept with over a 1,000 of Jean-Luc Brunel's girls. He preyed on girls coming from poor families in Eastern Europe and... He would entice them, you know, saying he's going to get them these modeling contracts. And then he would have them fast track somehow into Epstein's network in America and on the pedophile island. And Epstein even boasted that Jean-Luc Brunel had sent him 12-year-old triplets as a birthday present. And he told Virginia Roberts he was bragging about how great the oral sex was from them. Jesus Christ. You see these Eastern European girls, we lived on the Costa del Sol for many years. You know this because I think we discussed it. And I was driving back from Malaga Airport to um, through Estepona and towards the port of Duquesa. 
uh, years ago and my partner Caroline was working in her bar there and the weather was really bad and um, I, I remember coming through uh, Marbella the weather was really bad anyway and so I couldn't reach Caroline and as I got around Estepona just beyond Estepona the weather cleared a bit and I pulled in dark night took out the mobile phone and rang Caroline next minute there was a knock on the window and it was a prostitute and she was all of about 13 or 14 years old and she was Eastern oh. European and it was rotten now you see them all the time on that Costa del Sol strip from Marbella um, through Estepona um, through um, Sabanias de Kessa regularly at roundabouts very very young girls Eastern European it was horrible to see and I remember a few weeks later we were talking to a local policeman for one reason or another and I mentioned these girls and something needing, needing to be done about it because obviously they were trafficked and the passports confiscated and working under duress and all of that and the policeman said that if I or anybody else like me tried to get involved in any sort of you know, saviour role there, that we'd be murdered. That the people running these operations, they're way, way, way above the pay grade of the Guardia Seville in Spain or anybody else. Could you believe that? I couldn't believe it, John. Well, I, I interviewed John Wedger, ex-Scotland Yard detective. Yeah. No, John, yeah. And he, he said whenever he had been assigned to Vice and he came across these child victims of sex trafficking that were being pimped out as prostitutes he as he investigated it over the course of his years and learned that the customers the clientele were vips political elites tv celebrities every time the order from above came to close down the investigation and they told him you we will ruin your life if you keep this up if you keep investigating this you'll lose your job lose your family Blah blah blah, and and that's exactly what they did to him. They 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 tried to ruin his life. He lost his job and everything. So it's no surprise when you're on the Costa del Sol and the police say, "Listen, we can't do anything about that. We can't." So just forget about it. Don't don't get involved. Don't try to be a guardian angel or any of that. Don't get involved. Sean Atwood is our guest. You know all about Sean. World famous now. He's been on more television programs than you've had hot dinners. An extraordinary life. Incarcerated in the United States. I'm not making light of it. Your life story is amazing. Unbelievable that you're still alive, my friend. Uh, you're spending time in Arpaio's prisons. Um, ecstasy dealing. Um, was completely honest about that. The trading before that. Um, the books, um, incredible. The investigative journalism now into true crimes. Uh, unsolved um, uh, crimes and into miscarriages of justice. Sean Atwood is brilliant. I'm delighted that he's back on the programme. In one of your recent um, uh, videos, in one of your updates, I think it would have been yesterday, you mentioned suicided. Um, Jean-Luc, um, uh, uh, and then you mentioned Ghislaine Maxwell. But there are people going missing already, aren't there? Or people are turning up dead. People who might have been material witnesses to what was going on. Talk to us about that. Okay, so I've got a huge witness right now, and he is in Russia. His name is John Mark Dugan. I've interviewed him two or three times on my YouTube channel. Yeah. And he was a whistleblower who exposed racism and corruption in the Florida Police Department. So he was trusted by some colleagues as a man of integrity. But the corrupt ones... We're gunning for him, so he had to leave the country. He's going to get a life sentence if he goes back. 
Um, they came up with all these charges for him about hacking and all this stuff. Anyway, one of the lead investigators on the Epstein case on the first time around was Joe Ricurry. Joe Ricurry, he sensed that his bosses were not looking to pursue this. They were looking to cover it up. So he gave John Mark Dugan all of his files. Now, so many years later, Joe Ricurry died mysteriously, aged just over 50, and he was perfectly healthy. It was complete shock to his family. But then the files that were transferred over to John Mark Dugan in Russia, he showed some of those files to a friend of mine who I've worked with for years, I've done interviews with for years, Ron Chepsiuk, because he's been working on the stuff with the Cali Cartel and Pablo Escobar. And we both, we've both written about them. Ron was out there on separate business. So people were saying to me, Jean-Marc Duggan might be boasting that he's got these, these tapes, but how can this be confirmed? So Ron was out there and Ron went to visit Jean-Marc Duggan just because the, the, John Mark Duggan was blowing up his headlines in the news the, the saying that he had this information and they did watch some of the tapes together and they, they, they were so horrified by what they saw they said they had to stop watching but they, they did recognize some famous people in these tapes with underage girls and these are recordings that Epstein had made as part of his blackmail operation and where are they now these tapes? So John Mark Dugan is in Russia, and he's got them encrypted somehow. I'm not a tech guy. I don't understand fully how it all works. In the last couple of weeks, um, the bolts were removed from his car. He was driving along. Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and he's also been poisoned as well. But he's recovered from the poisoning, and now um, he's agreed to do another interview. So I'm hoping to speak with him in the next couple of days. John, John Mark Dugan in Russia, he's got encrypted files that show horrendous things happening to children arranged by Epstein with some famous people in the scene, on the frame, in the film, basically. And mainstream media is not reporting this. They won't, they won't touch it. Wow. They won't touch it. So he'd love to give that to CNN, CNBC, Sky News, but they won't take it. <laughs> Jesus wept in. That's where we are. All, all, the, all the heads of those companies were filmed with Epstein. And, and do you believe that? Is that what it comes down to? That this guy Epstein, whatever about his own perversions, that ultimately he was there to compromise people? Yes. I mean, look at the connect with Ghislaine Maxwell. Robert Maxwell, I believe that he pilfered the Daily Mirror pension fund because he was operating on money from the Mossad. If you're interested in the Epstein case, I take a much deeper dive in my books, which are available worldwide than Amazon. We've got Who Killed Epstein, Prince Andrew or Bill Clinton. Virginia Guffrey alleged that Epstein ordered her to have sex with Prince Andrew three times, including an orgy on the Pedo Island, which included underage European girls. On the Lolita Express, Bill Clinton was photographed with Epstein's sex slaves. After Epstein was suicided, both men denied any knowledge of his crimes. This book examines the roles of Epstein and his accomplices in the Honey Trap operation and the likelihood of a royal prince or an ex-president being co-conspirators in his assassination. That's Who Killed Epstein. Then I've got Elite Predators, 
from Jimmy Savile and Lord Mountbatten to Jeffrey Epstein and Galen Maxwell. In 2022, Galen Maxwell was sentenced to 20 years in prison after she had procured teenage girls for Epstein and his predator pals. The connections included the most powerful people in the world, ranging from royal family members such as Prince Andrew to former presidents, including Bill Clinton. While the mainstream media protects the innermost circles of the establishment, this book reveals the harrowing truth of elite child molesters and the calculated methods they employ to conceal the horrific activities, which often span decades. And then more recently, I've released Untouchable Jimmy Savile. Savile was a practicing Catholic who raped young boys and girls and had sex with corpses. He was a God-fearing believer who participated in satanic rituals. He was an unprecedentedly generous charity fundraiser who was too tight to buy his own meals. He was a friend of princes and dukes who ate bacon sandwiches at his local greasy spoon. He was a peace activist who tied up troublemakers in his nightclubs and had them brutally beaten. He was a furry godfather who hated children. Untouchable Jimmy Savile demolishes the mainstream media narratives portrayed in Netflix's and the BBC's documentary. And we show that Savile's behavior was enabled by the most powerful members of the establishment for whom he was a fixer and a procurer. So these three books are available worldwide on Amazon, paperback, ebook, audiobook. They've got hundreds of five-star reviews. Check them out. And he couldn't pay them back, so he pilfered them, and he ended up dead on the yacht called the Lady Ghislaine, which was yeah, named yeah. after his daughter. So there's a, you, you can go back decades and see the link with the intelligence agencies. People ask me, was it the CIA who took Epstein out? Was it the Mossad? I believe because it was on American soil, it was probably the CIA or, you know, the Clintons as well. If you go back and look at the history of the Clinton body count, it's got all the hallmarks of Clinton involvement in it. And it seems to be there's some kind of war right now in America between the different political mafias, between the Trump mafia and the Clinton mafia. So perhaps both sides are using Epstein one way or the other to score points against the other. That's really interesting, this this kind of Clinton mafia against the Trump mafia. I see where you're going with that, and I'm sympathetic to that point of view. But ultimately, they would just be capo regimes, wouldn't they? The Clintons and the Trumps, ultimately, they're small fry. There's a much bigger figure in the background, in the shadows, that's controlling even them, would you say, Sean? Absolutely. I mean, I just watched this documentary on Netflix about the Vietnam War, and all of the presidents who came in would say, you know, we're going to send the boys home, we're going to de-escalate the war. And as soon as they got in, no matter what they did, the war increased. Yeah, yeah. So it was blatantly obvious that there are much more powerful forces at work than these guys could control. Here's the tweet from Patricia. Is it wrong to suggest that as bad as the traffickers are, and they are bad, they wouldn't have any business if it wasn't for the creeps who have a proclivity for these young girls. The sickness wouldn't continue without the low-life customers. That's a good point. And it also kind of moves on to, what is it about the very, very rich and very politically connected and their predilection for young boys and girls we know what researchers like David, um, we were talking about David today, David Icke, 
We know what David thinks, and I'm not suggesting that he's wrong. What do you think? What is it about the very powerful and children? Is it the final taboo, or is it something even more sinister? What do you think, Sean? I think there's a combination of factors, and I've written and researched for years about Clinton. My new book coming out for Christmas is Clinton, Bush, and CIA Conspiracies from the Boys on the Tracks to Jeffrey Epstein. So Clinton is a classic case of elite deviance. He is like a, a, a playboy um, character who got this power, used the power to rape women. There's multiple settlements, you know, out-of-court settlements been made, non-disclosure agreements with Clinton assaulting women. And after he finished his presidency, he goes on all of these journeys to be hanging out with Epstein. Now, going over the police reports from the first case against Epstein, Epstein was procuring all of these girls from Royal Palm Beach High School, and the police contacted the girls and got their testimonies. And they said, as soon as you walk in, there's pictures of all these underage girls all, you know, all over the property, Jesus on the way Christ. to the massage room. Um, and, and all this creepy stuff going on. And the detectives were saying anyone who had anything to do with Epstein at that point in time knew he was all about underage girls. And all these people now are saying, no way did we know any of that. But it's, it's blatantly obvious that they did. So with Clinton, he had so much power. You know, he facilitated all the, the security for the cocaine coming in in Maine, Arkansas. He played ball with the CIA, so he, he was rewarded the presidency. When you've got that much power, and when you've got the, the power of Prince Andrew, you have elite deviance because you know you can do anything at all and get away with it. Now, you say that, Sean. Is, Sorry to interrupt you. You say this is really, really interesting now. So, so you think that Andrew, however brilliant the investigators are your, your own research into this is is excellent it's forensic you think that ultimately the likes of andrew he's going to be protected i mean we talked about john mark dugan in i think it's a, i think you said dugan in russia who's got this material evidence that would end any speculation about epstein and the elites that he supplied children to it's all there but the guy can't give his videos to the media, they don't want it. So Andrew's going to be okay, isn't he? They're never going to interview him under caution. So, if it were the Queen involved in this, if she was one of the co-conspirators, she would have diplomatic immunity. Andrew's diplomatic community rests on the head of state of America, which is Trump. So again, we've got a power play here by Trump. He's got Andrew by the balls right now. He could say, I'm going to expand my properties in, you know, in the UK. And I'm going to give you a pass in the federal court system. So there's all of these complex things going on behind the scenes. Yeah, but hang on. Isn't it naive? Uh, Sean Atwood is our guest, by the way. It's been about a year too long since Sean was on this program. You know how much I uh, value his work and his books. He's a terrific guy. Again, forensic, objective stuff here. No dog in the fight. This is really good analysis. But I've got to pull you up on something. You're right about the photographs in Epstein's um, places, but Trump spent a lot of time with him. We'd be naive to think that Trump didn't know what Epstein was up to, and maybe even more naive to think that Trump didn't participate. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, I agree that he knew what Epstein was up to. There is even a famous quote. He, he acknowledged, he said, Epstein likes 
we, me and Epstein like beautiful women, something like that, he says. But Epstein likes them on the young side. Jeez. So it's blatantly obvious that he knew what was going on. Listen, you'd but run a million I, miles. If I was living next door to you and we were mates, you'd run a million miles away from me if I was hanging around with 13, 14, 15-year-old girls. And you'd be right to. You couldn't. Well, first of all, you'd tell the police uh, and you wouldn't have anything to do with me. But these guys seem to just, eh, yeah, he likes the young girls like it's no big deal. Well, look, when he was in jail on the first charges... And he was running that jail. He he donated over a hundred thousand dollars to the sheriff's department. He had his own quarters and his own yeah. legal room with his own TV. The detectives ran him, drove him out of the the uh, place to, on his appointments, and screened his visitors in plain clothes for him while he was in that offices. He'd already been, you know, everybody everybody knew what he'd done. Mendelssohn from this country contacted him. And asked him to broker a deal with one of the higher-ups in, I think it was J.P. Morgan. These elites do not care that you have been convicted of paedophilia and child trafficking and whatever it is. It's all about business at the end of the day to them. Power and money. And to them, there isn't anything wrong with paedophilia. It's why Prince Charles would have known, because royal protection officers would have told him that Jimmy Savile was a, to quote David Icke again, a record-breaking paedophile. Charles knew this, but Jimmy was all right. He was my mate. He was my best mate. So there you are. No bother. Absolutely. And, and Epstein was a, a modern-day Jimmy Savile um, procuring and trafficking these underage girls to elites. And they're, they're able to do it on private planes, crossing continents, with young girls, and do it for God knows how long, maybe since... Since since aeroplane travel, you know, came about, and people look the other way. Presumably, people are paid off. People at airports, they just look the other way, and these girls are basically um, helpless at the hands of these monsters, these lunatics. And there's a guy in Russia with evidence that would blow this wide open, and the mainstream media doesn't want to touch it. How do you feel about that? I mean, of all the things you've researched and looked into, this must make you sick, Sean. It does. It makes me absolutely sick because, you know, I interview, I've got a true crime podcast now and I interview someone for up to two hours a week. A lot of them are ex-prisoners and I get their complete life stories. And behind a lot of crimes, there is a tragedy in childhood. A lot of these guys come from foster homes and the foster homes are rife with the kids getting abused um, getting pimped out, the, the, you know, they're on drugs, they're, they're trying to deal with, with trauma from childhood by taking drugs, and then they're getting pimped out. And some of these most severe crimes, one of the guys, he was raped by a, a man when he was a kid, and he went to prison for trying to kill that guy, and every time he got out, he went right back after him, and he, he went right back to prison. And I see the havoc and mayhem and destruction these kind of acts cause on people's lives, how it just ricochets right through the rest of their years while they're alive. It's really sad. Yeah, I've had the misfortune over the... I don't say the misfortune because I've met some lovely people, but listening to stories from people who've had to um, endure that, there's nothing worse than it. It needs to be told. Those stories need to be told. At the same time, you know, you feel a bit guilty then because it's not about you and, wow, you feel a bit upset listening to it. 
how dare you because that person went through it but it's it's horrendous stuff the the impact it has on on people you can follow sean it's at sean atwood at sean atwood on twitter sean what's your friend in russia going to do again the bombshell information from sean atwood here is that there is a man in russia who has in his possession material materials that were passed to him by, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, by a detective that died in very strange circumstances. And on that, uh, that material contains video of children being abused by Epstein and some very famous celebrities. The man has already had a couple of attempts on his life, he alleges. Um, well, they're not going to stop trying to kill him, Sean. What, what measures has he taken to look after himself? He's moving around a lot in Russia. He has friends with Russian special forces. And apart from that, he, he, you know, when I interview him, he, he can only say certain things. He doesn't want to, he's moving around. He doesn't, I can't, I can't be more specific. That's what no, I'm saying. No, I know, man. I know that, yeah. We, we don't want to give any information out that would uh, further jeopardize his life. And the last thing in the world you want to do, because you can't unsee it, is witness it. Not because you want to see disgusting things happening to children, because you'll never wash that out of your mind. But you need to know who's on that bloody video. I'm sure John Marcus told you who's on it, but you can't divulge that. Okay, here's his response to that then. He said that this became headline news in the UK a few weeks ago, about two or three weeks ago, about John Mark Duggan. I'd never heard of him until then, and that's why I contacted him. And it came out in the UK because the FBI has all of those video files already, and the FBI alerted MI6. They probably alerted MI6 because some famous, powerful people in the UK were in those videos. And John Mark Duggan believes it was MI6 who leaked that to the media in this country and caused him all of a sudden to become this news headline. Because people are saying John Mark Duggan's over there bragging he's got these tapes just to make headline news, but he wasn't. He was just laying low over there, and all of a sudden this blew up because it was leaked by MI6. That's what John Mark Duggan believes. And he says that the tapes should be processed by the court system because the FBI already has them from when they raided his property in America. They came in and they cleaned everything out. Now, were they coming in to get it, to process it in court, or were they coming in to get it, to contain it, so that we would never see those tapes? That's the question. What do you think? I know you can't. The latter. Do you think it's the latter? I think, I think the, the latter, yeah. He needs to keep himself alive, doesn't he? And that information needs to be put in the public domain somehow. It really he certainly does. does. He's, very, he's very brave, yeah, doing what he's doing. He's, this, this ex-cop, I mean, he's seen some action in Russia. And what about the Russian government? Even if it's, you know, again, even if they've got, I don't know, cynical reasons to protect him, um, surely he's tried to, main, you know, to, 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 has he been in touch with uh, the Russian government in any way to say to them, listen, you need to protect me here, I've got this information. Has he done that? No. He said the Russian government are very hands-off and that they're not sweating him. And the only government he's heard from in recent weeks is the U.S. government. And they left him a voicemail asking him to come to the U.S. embassy to surrender his passport. Russia today? No. 
they wouldn't take it and run with it. <laughs> no. It's all mainstream media, isn't it? I mean, it makes me laugh. I mean, I, I do use some Russia Today stories because there are some decent journalists there, Polly, Boyko, and others, some good people there. But ultimately, it's a mainstream media organisation, and they just do not want to know. Well, it, they already did a documentary on him, but they've not done a follow-up since the Epstein news. And John Mark Duggan believes that the U.S. Embassy were calling in him because he probably wouldn't have left that building. He, they, they would have either um, tried to capture him or kill him. Jesus wept up. And of course, I mean, there, there will be people listening to this and, and they'll be incredulous. They will say, this can't be happening. Surely, you know, we are the good people in the UK and in the US. We're the good guys. We're on the side of truth and justice. We go after the bad guys around the world, Gaddafi and Saddam and Bashar al-Assad. We're the good guys. There'll be people listening to this who won't believe that an ex-cop is on the run in Russia with video footage that shows celebrities abusing children. And yet he's in danger from our governments. They won't believe it, Sean. Educate them. <laughs> Educate them. Because they won't believe it. Because we're, we're the good guys, right? Well, I think the whole Epstein story has really brought a lot of people who didn't believe these things into realizing what's actually going on in the world because you know it, it came about on my channel i people were asking me about it and i did a video i said look um epstein will epstein be suicided by bill clinton to cover up lolita scandal i posted that a week or so before he was suicided yeah that's right and then all the people then were like, okay, we, we, you know, we, we, we really, we're really starting to believe that this is the way the world is, works. And you mentioned Polly earlier. That's so bizarre because I was with her today uh, from RT. She came and filmed me at a school in North London because RT are doing a documentary on the work that I'm doing now in the schools and with my podcast. Which is brilliant. It's it's important. It's important work. That'd be nice to do an interview about that because that's lovely and not about these horrible things. And um, we'll do that sometime in the near future, and um, with your permission, because that's very important work. Uh, Sean Sean Atwood is our guest. Yeah, you know, as for the suicide thing, um, weeks and weeks before he um, was was suicided, I don't get very much right, but I did say in an interview with Tony Gosling that he'd be found hung in his cell. And that would obviously, <laughs> I did, I did say that, and the video is there to prove it. And I said, look, it's it, th that of course should be very anomalous because he should be the most protected man in the world. No um, protection detail wants to be humiliated by being known as the people who left somebody kill themselves uh, as high profile as that on their watch. Totally bizarre, Sean. And you've seen prison from outside and inside. You know all about it. It's just impossible that he would have had the means to kill himself. It's ridiculous. So here's the question. load of people have asked it on Twitter. If you go through the tweets yourself later on, is he dead? Yeah, I do believe that he's dead. I've watched medical examiner and medical expert videos. Um, on People said that the deformities on his face didn't match other photos, but they were comparing one side of the face to the other, and the face can contort in death according to these medical experts so he had to go for the aforementioned reasons how did he go well there was the assault on him that probably failed 
that was um, a couple of weeks before the actual suiciding. And he, Epstein himself said that his cellmate, Nick Tartaglioni, had attacked him. And to put a murderer in there, a gangster, this was an ex-cop who became a gangster and in a drug deal, lured four guys to his brother's bar. Their bodies were found buried in his garden. This guy was a huge bodybuilder, like steroid head guy. He could have snapped Epstein's neck with his bare hands. And even though he wasn't in the cell the night Epstein was suicided, Epstein's new cellmate was conveniently moved. The guards conveniently fell asleep. Tartaglioni was in the area. I know how, how prisoners can open other prisoners' cell doors. So as a, a lead suspect, an instrument, that is, not at the, the head of the conspiracy, but an instrument, he could have been used. There could have been, been some kind of quid pro quo come down with him. He had these connections in law enforcement. You get rid of Epstein. You're facing the death penalty. You'll get some play. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll knock that down to life and you get parole after so many years. Something like that could have easily manifested. In Arizona, you could get killed over for $50 worth of heroin. They would pay an addict just to take you out. So that's how cheap life is in prison. Yeah, and again, nobody better than you to talk about it, having spent time in one of the worst prisons. Um, in US history, of course. Sean, thanks for sharing these insights. Um, of course, this is an ongoing investigation by Sean. Uh, he's on Twitter. It's at Sean Atwood on Twitter. He spells Sean S-H-A-U-N because he's a Philistine. That's why. <laughs> and uh, he knows he is as well. But uh, no, it's good. It's uh, at Sean Atwood. And the YouTube channel, um, brilliantly produced um, he, he's done some brilliant interviews with David Icke as well. Well, he, he's done one and there's a follow-up coming uh, real soon with David and with many other people, including John Mark Duggan, central to uh, this uh, Epstein case as well. Uh, you, Sean, you know I have all the time in the world for you. Tell us about the upcoming book again. Give it a big plug um, coming up before Christmas about the Bush, the Clintons and the road to Epstein. Tell us about that before we go. So it is fundamentally the stories of four people and that is Linda Ives, the mother of one of the boys on the tracks. They're the kids that the medical expert, the coroner said, had smoked too much weed and laid side by side on the train tracks and the train had run over them. But my research led me to discover that the state police protection for the cocaine importation by the CIA, provided by Governor Bill Clinton, the boys had either intercepted or seen something wrong um, that they shouldn't have seen, and they were they were taken out by by Clinton's uh, people in, in Arkansas. Then we got Ricky Ross, the rap not the rapper. The rapper stole his name. The real Rick Ross. He was a, a poor, raised very poor, but became one of the biggest crack cocaine dealers in the world. He was the biggest on the West Coast, certainly out of California. He ended up in prison. And he was visited by the journalist Gary Webb, who came in and, and told him, hey, by the way, the cocaine you were getting was coming in through the CIA. Yeah, yeah. So Gary Webb was my ne is, is the next one in there. And the other one is Kiki Camarina. So Kiki Camarina, if anyone's watched Narcos Mexico, he was the DEA agent who was poking around too much and started to go up the ladder um, to the elites and the CIA and the politicians that were that were involved, and he was kidnapped and, and brutally tortured, and it was the screams were taped, 
Um, so they're, they're the four people, but there's other stories in there as well, and there's a whole chapter on Epstein. I look forward to it, my friend. We'll have a chat about it when it comes out. Do that. Come back on the show when it comes out. We'll have a chat uh, about it, Sean, because it sounds fascinating and important because um, it's, a, it's a strand, isn't it, uh, of, of, of everything. It's, 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 a, it's a thread in a big web, um, this whole story about Epstein and paedophile rings. Thanks for your time today. Sean's website is seanatwood.com, seanatwood.com. He's on Twitter, at Sean Atwood. The website will link you to the YouTube series, which is excellent, and it just gets better and better. Sean, thanks for your time today, my friend. I know you've got talks lined up in schools later on this week. Congratulations uh, for that work as well. It's great, and on uh, raising money to get books to children as well. Uh, I think it's a wonderful thing you do there. So thank you, my friend, and we'll talk again real soon. Brilliant. Really appreciate you having me on, Richie. You take care. That's great. Thanks, Sean. Love having you on. Sean Atwood, live on the Richie Allen Show for Tuesday, October 29th, 2019. Yeah, eh? Epstein, Gillian Maxwell, John Mark Duggan in Russia with all of that information about celebrities abusing children, taped by Jeffrey Epstein. Um, thanks for your comments on, on, on that stuff tonight. I really appreciate it. Uh, to those I didn't get to, uh, I apologise for it. Uh, the old voice is going to go any second, by the way. It'll be rested, and we'll see how it is. What I might do in the morning, I don't like doing it, is that I might, um, I might cry off the newspaper review. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see in the morning how I am. I don't feel bad, but the, the sore throat has been so bad over the last few days that it is kind of cracking the voice now. And I worry about that. I need to rest it when it gets like that because if I don't, it could wipe you out for a week and we don't want that happening. Hey, listen, I wanted to address something as well. Now, you know I'm a very thick-skinned guy. I know you know this. Very thick-skinned. You can't insult me. You can't (laughs) because everything that could ever be said to anybody has been said to me. And um, at one time in my life, sadly, you know, pretty much everything that could be done to somebody, was done to me. I've got very thick skin, but I wanted to address something. It was a couple of uh, emails I had, a couple of comments made on social media. And one or two of them were made by people that have um, um, a bit of a social media presence. I missed uh, Sunday View on Sunday just gone because I couldn't talk. And somebody put out there, oh, he's he's off uh, this morning. Doesn't he take a lot of time off? One or two people jumped in there and went, yeah, he takes a lot of time off that Richie Allen guy. Listen, today, Tuesday, October 29th, is live show number 225 for 2019. And we're not at the end of October. That's 225 live programs that were produced, researched, and edited by your Richie Allen. All right. So, nothing thin-skinned here. I work like a bastard. Like an absolute bastard, right? 225 shows. We've had 302 days this year. Over 1,500 shows since the Richie Allen show was imagined into life back in September of 2014. There you are. So, so don't be thinking. I missed um, three and a half weeks in February with pneumonia. And I still managed to do 225 live programs. Maybe it's a backhanded compliment. Maybe it's because people get so attached to a program that it really pisses them off on the rare occasion when it isn't on. I can live with that. 
but no lack of work right here, I tells you. So I'll have a look at it in, in the morning. The um, the voice, if, if it is a bit scratchy, I won't do the live stream and I'll just do the radio show tomorrow because I've got a great guest lined up tomorrow <clears throat> to talk about working offshore and working in oil and the devastating effects that can have on the health of the oil workers and how that's covered up. Uh, and I want to get into that on the programme tomorrow. Very important story. And much more going on as well. So I'm going to piss off now and rest the old vocal cords. Thanks for listening tonight. Thanks to Kevin Barrett for going and observing Jim Fetzer's defamation uh, hearing, for talking to me about it. And once again, thanks to Sean Atwood for sharing his time with us. The Epstein mystery gets more and more mysterious. The more that's uncovered, uh, you know, it's it seemingly you don't get any closer to... Um, what am I trying to say here? The more you find, the more doors you open tend to lead to more and more and more doors and more caves. But it's very important. And thanks to Sean Atwood for, for doing that. Going to finish tonight with a song from the Mavericks. Look after yourselves and one another. We'll speak again on Tuesday's programme, if not before the papers. Because we might do the papers. I don't know. We'll see. See you tomorrow. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I've got some exciting news to announce. Michael Francis is coming back to tour the UK in 2024. The remade Mantor, the Michael Francis story. Michael Francis, once named one of the 50 most significant mob bosses in the USA by Fortune magazine, and a former member of the notorious Colombo crime family, will take you deep into the world of organized crime, sharing captivating tales and insights into the mafia's past, present, and future. Join us for an unforgettable evening with Michael Francis, the original Goodfella, as he exclusively sits down with myself, Sean Atwood. With me as the host, there's going to be a no-holes-barred exploration of Michael Francis's life, including his numerous arrests and jury trials that ultimately led to his pleading guilty to a federal racketeering charge, a 10-year prison sentence, and $15 million in restitution. You will have the unique opportunity to ask questions during an audience Q&A session, making this event a must-see for true crime enthusiasts and anyone curious about the underworld. Don't miss this explosive In Conversation with Michael Francis. Live on stage in the UK, this exclusive in-person event will be held in various locations in the UK, Ireland and Scotland. Link in the description box below this video if you want to grab yourself a ticket. Back to the podcast. Cheers.